Maybe that's a feeling of agitation caused by the presence or imminence of danger. Why do you think people believe in ghosts? Killaway's wife. What? Uh-oh. Margaret! You son of a bitch! Jeez, I figured you had a sense of humor. After all. You married her! Ah! That's gotta hurt. So welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, David Streggy. Here I am on Inside Movies Galore with uh, director Michael Veers, uh, locally from Milwaukee. Hello. Hello, and uh, it's Veers. 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 So um, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself, where you're, fr- uh, where you're originally from. Are you originally from Milwaukee? Yeah, I was born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, down in Bayview. I've lived there pretty much my entire life, up until I uh, met my now wife, Amanda, and we're living out in McGuanago right now, uh, but coming back, to, coming back to Bayview this summer. Cool. Uh, and uh, how did you get involved with uh, filmmaking? Uh, uh, why don't you uh, tell me a little bit about uh, how you began? Well, the boring story is that I got involved when I was in, in college. Uh, the more entertaining, well, I wouldn't say entertaining, but the longer-winded version of the story is I discovered my love for film when I was in um, middle school. Okay. And uh, what, what year did uh, Steven Spielberg's War of the uh, uh, War of the Worlds come out? 2005. You just remembered that off the top of your head. Yeah, 2005. 
Uh, it was one of the first Blu- uh, not Blu-rays, DVDs that my family rented at, uh, upon getting a DVD player. And it was the first time I got to see the behind-the-scenes of how they were made. And that intrigued me. It's like, you know, for once, I could see that it was a tangible thing. It was made by a bunch of people. You know, they didn't just show up, know their lines, and, you know, uh, just the movie came together. I realized that there was people involved with it. It was a big process. And then that kind of is what planted the seed in my brain that, hey, these are made. I wonder if you can learn to make these. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from there, it was a one-two punch of uh, 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 George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead. Because I remember okay. seeing it on G4, and actually uh, Mark Borchard was hosting it that night. And uh, I don't mean this in a bad way at all, but I was watching that movie, and at that point I'd never seen Night of the Living Dead, but I'd seen other zombies in media, and it seemed like super complicated to do. And, you know, George George just put, a, just put pancake makeup on a bunch of people and sent them out there, and it's like, well, sh- Shit, I can do that. Are we allowed to swear on here? Yeah. You're right. welcome, welcome to. Uh, and then, uh, so shit, I can do that. And then it was, uh, the what finally made me decide to go to film school was John Carpenter's Halloween. Okay. So, um, I see here um, uh, that your first film that you uh, kind of did was, uh, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, if I get to you're wrong, but uh, from 2011, where you did uh, Shades of Pride. Why don't you tell me a little bit about how you got involved in that project? Uh, Shades of Pride was a, pro- was a film school project. Normally, you know, I kind of make it uh, a habit not to include film school projects on, like, a resume or, or on IMDb. The only reason I did with that is because it did get a little bit of traction. Uh, I think I was a sophomore when I made that in film school, and it played at, you know, the, uh, the UWM Film Festival, which um, is whatever, but it, it played at a couple smaller festivals, nothing that I can remember the name of, I think they were maybe like, like one-year-only type festivals or whatnot, or, you know, smaller festivals, and uh, so it got a little bit of traction. I wrote it um, as a tribute to my grandfather, because it's based on a true story of a situation he went through with uh, some government officials, where he kind of spooked them off his land with a, a rifle, uh, well, actually, actually, with a shotgun, because uh, my grandfather lives in the Appalachian Mountain Range in Virginia, and it's kind of a different world down there. Uh, but I wrote the script, I kind of softened the character, because my grandfather definitely wasn't the hero in that story, he's been kind of a jerk, all things considered, and... Yeah, I wanted to take my. I wanted to try out drama, and it's funny at this point. I think I've made more dramas than I have horror, but I've been. I'm a little more known for the horror scene. Okay, so um, um, where did you shoot that? Did you shoot that in Wisconsin this summer? I believe the farm is in Caledonia. Okay. Uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Nico Aldrich, he's a Wisconsin-based filmmaker who lives in California right now. I was struggling finding a farm. I was actually just driving to farms and asking for permission to shoot on their property, and no one would allow me. Because, you know, I don't blame them. It's kind of a weird thing to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's like, hey, I uh, my family's got a farm. Do you want to shoot there? And, yeah, I just kind of worked myself <laughs> out. Cool. Um, and, uh, how did you go about and find some of your actors? I don't know if they still have it, but at the time, UWM had an actor's database, database, uh, in which local talent could come together, record a, a monologue and put it out there on the internet for filmmakers to see. Kind of like a headshot type of thing? Yeah, with a, with a video. And I I unfortunately cannot remember the name of the of the actor I originally cast, but uh, uh, for all intents and purposes, 
he did a great audition, but when we actually got on set, he had some demons he was struggling with and couldn't remember any of his lines, and we had to throw that entire day of shooting down the drain. <laughs> uh, but however, through that da- database, I had met Guy Howering and um, Linda Seaslick, who are two actors I've worked with a couple times, and they, um, Linda specifically suggested, hey, um, I know this guy named Patrick Beck who could play this role perfectly, and I met with Patrick, and I kind of told him, all things considered, I'm more. I'm going to go with you because I'm kind of in a bind. But I wanted to get to know what his personality was like, and we both saw the character the same way, had a lot of the same influences, and we said, "Hell, let's do this!" And yeah, cool. That one was made. Cool. Um, and uh, from what I see, uh, in 2013, uh, you uh, also did uh, from the Darkness Theater. How about you tell us uh, a little bit how you got involved with that short film? Uh, that one was my senior thesis project in film school. Okay. And pr- to an extent, probably the film I'm still best known for. I don't know if it's a good thing or not. Um, it's the idea. It was just an inkling of an idea I had in my brain. And where I have always been and still am obsessed with the idea of a horror host because it's so weirdly Americana that the idea of it is very appealing to me. And uh, one of my, two of my big influences in film are uh, Vincent Price, specifically the Abominable Dr. Fives, and uh, the film Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. And I kind of wrote this weird amalgamation of the two of them uh, and was also inspired by the, the William Lustig film um, maniac, and I kind of, I had, I knew I had a chance where I could, um, make something bigger scope, so I kind of just threw all of my influences into a pot and threw it against a wall and saw what stick, and it became a really strange little movie that's, because it's gotten some, te- uh, it's gotten some attention, it, it played at the Cannes Film Festival as well as, uh, Trauma Dance, you know, two very different opposite ends of the spectrum, um, and, uh, one thing that I've really been impressed by is the people that have seen it. Like, of course, Lloyd Kaufman saw it because he's a, a buddy of mine at this point, okay. and uh, I kind of, you know, convinced him to see it. And he played at the film festival and whatnot. So, uh, but then Joe Bob Briggs actually gave it a really good review. Uh, David Lowry, the director of Anthem Body Saints and Peach Dragon, he saw it and he really liked it. So, it's kind of had uh, legs of its own. Nice. And uh, how did you get involved with, um, uh, or how did you go about and find your cast members for that short film? Uh, did you go through the same database? Um, actually, how it came to it, it stemmed from the database uh, because I worked with Linda Seaslick again on that one. She played a, a bit part, but still kind of an important role. And yeah. when I was auditioning for Shades of Pride, um, I met a actor by the name of Michael Denk. And he was a very popular face. I'd seen him in a lot of things, and because he has a very striking visage, um, he if you if you had to describe him, I'd say he's a man that has poetry in his eyes because he's uh, got a very specific look. And I told him when I was casting Shades of Pride, it's like you are not right for this role, but I want to work with you. And I said I'm going to write something for you. And he probably rolled his eyes and was like, yeah, whatever. And I wrote from the Darkness Theater specifically for him, knowing kind of his talents and where it lies. And um, and then in combination between him and Linda, I found the rest of my cast members. 
Okay. And uh, where did you uh, end up shooting uh, from the Darkness Theater? Did you uh, have a studio that you were working from, or a couple places actually? The uh, the studio scene from the very beginning, where okay. we pull out from his horror host set. That horror host set was built. Um, okay. uh, a, a former person I, I worked with quite a bit, Veronica Handelin, she built that set out of styrofoam and built that coffin. Uh, the painting was done by a really, po- uh, a really talented artist I know named Bree Biddle. And then the actual like studio was just UWM. It was our, it was our, um, a lighting classroom because it's set up like an actual studio. Cause we have to learn how to do studio lighting. So that worked out perfectly. And the, um, the uh, the theater was actually the time cinema when they were still going through renovations. Linda okay. worked for that theater group at the time, got me in contact with the owner, and he said, yeah, come on down and shoot something. So we shot there. The office was done at the Miramar Theater in uh, Pinkerton Xyloma's office from the uh, Dead Man's Carnival. Um, and then the house stuff was actually done in my mom's house. So it was a, it, we had a, all things considered, we had a lot of locations. Okay. So, uh, but all together, uh, using all the, the, the uh, different lo- uh, locations, it uh, turned out to be a well-rounded film. Um, did, uh, now, um, how has your relationship been with your actors, uh, by the way? I know some directors do uh, do something different each time. Um, how do you go about, and, you know, uh, how... how how is your relationship with uh, with them as you, as you go through your your film, film directing? Well, I guess if you want to know my relationship with the actors, you'd have to ask you'd have to ask them what they thought of me. But um, it's working with actors is one of those things that at the end of the production is when you feel the most confident, and that's when uh, you're about to wrap. And then every time I've started a new project, mainly because there's been gaps in my filmography, that mm-hmm. it's always like, I'm trying to relearn how to do it and learn from previous mistakes. My big thing is I try to cast the right actor for the character, mm-hmm. knowing and trusting that they're going to be able to bring something to the part, something I saw in them, and then just kind of tweaking it from there. I don't like to do line readings. On, uh, I've only ha- I've only had to do it like maybe once or twice, and if I'm looking for a very specific reading and I can't get it, and it's important to me for some reason, but I usually just try to let the actors be and kind of and get them in, a, in the correct head space to do what they've got to do. Okay. Cool. Uh, also, in 2013, I see you did another short film called uh, Love You Still. Um, uh, how did you get involved with that uh, project? Uh, I got spooked at the end of film school. I had a professor that said to us, and it was probably it, probably a scare tactic in a good way to try to motivate us, because he started off the classroom by saying, 70% of you will never make another movie after senior year. Okay. And that freaked me to hell. Like, because I started my my second semester of senior year with a film in the in the can. When realistically, how UWM was set up was your first semester was pre production, second semester you go off and shoot. I had already shot everything, so I was pretty much just editing at that point. And it freaked me out that oh, I might not make anything else. I need to set myself up with a project. And at the time, Milwaukee Film was doing a really great program called Collaborative Cinema. Uh, how that worked, and I, I was actually a member of it back when I was in high school. How it works is local high school students write a script to the best of their ability. They don't have to have any knowledge, and you submit it to 
the Collabor Cinema program, and they've got a group of judges who read all of the scripts and narrow it down to like 180, something, maybe even less than that. They narrow it down, and they bring those students in who've got an inkling of talent and teach them how to actually write a screenplay, how to do it perfect, how to do it right, how to tell your ideas visually. And then from there, they go all back and write their scripts. They uh, Once they submit the new drafts, uh, the judges pick 10. From that 10, they find an established or up-and-coming filmmaker in Milwaukee to direct the film. So you get to read all 10, and you have to go in and pitch your idea for which one you want to make. I went in and pitched the story of Love You Still. At the time, you know, since I was getting a lot of traction for From the Darkness Theater, I was playing all the horror festivals. Anytime I did an interview, it was about horror. Which, I'm not complaining, but still. Uh, there was two scripts that stuck out to me. There was one that... All, all things considered, could have been a lot of fun. It was it was very much a Leave it the Beaver style script about a family of cannibals. Okay. Uh, and then there was Love You Still, which was a kind of a heartfelt, touching drama. And I thought I could go for the low-hanging fruit and go for the family of cannibals and do something really cool and really fun with it. Or I can show that I've got range and go with the drama. So that's the one I chose. I went in and pitched it. They selected me, and we went off to the races. They supplied me with a, a team, a budget, uh, and I just really had to make sure I knew how to direct that film. Cool. Um, now, uh, did you uh, film that uh, film in Wisconsin? Or, or? I, we did. I don't remember exactly where the cabin was located. We kind of okay. stumbled upon it, me and the producer, Susan Kearns. We were driving, trying to find a good location, and we stumbled upon it. It was in someone's backyard. Uh, we asked if we could take a look at it, and we found it, and, like, it was a dump inside of there. Like, there's mud up to your ankles, there was nothing in there, but we thought there was charm to it if we can clean it up, and our, our team actually went in, in, in 24 hours, got it cleaned up, completely furnished it, none of that furniture was in that cabin, and we did it all from the ground up, and... Uh, and then I'll ask how long you shot the films in, uh, three days. So three days. And we couldn't we couldn't shoot any nights because of uh, we had high schoolers on set to learn. It was the runner ups for the collaborative cinema program. They were on set to learn. Mm -hmm. um, not having nights worried me a little bit because you've seen the film, correct? Yeah, I, I've seen uh, Love You Still from the Darkness Theater, uh, Shades of Pride, and uh, Do You Love Me so far for, uh, from you. The only one that I haven't seen is the the directionals. So uh, so which eventually I wouldn't mind. It's on YouTube. It it's is? on YouTube. Yeah, um, but well, you remember in, in, in um, Love You Still, there's some night scenes, and we had to completely fake all that, because we weren't allowed to shoot at night. So it was a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday that we, we shot. Uh, and the beach was actually all at, um, oh, was down in South Shore Park, the beach over there. Okay. And um, how did you uh, find your actors, uh, once again? Um well, um, Collateral Cinema sent out a casting call, and okay. from there, I got to see headshots and everything, and we just had a very long, I want to say 12-hour day of sitting <laughs> in a room and people coming in and auditioning. I don't, uh, I assume, I think they used Craigslist and just put uh, a thing out for actors, and they just kind of came in one after another, uh, doing the lines, we kind of gave them a little bit of direction. That's what I always look for. I don't necessarily... I do care about how the lines are read and what they're... Inst I'm, but I'm... One... Two things I look for is, one, what are your instincts? Are you playing it safe? Are you are you taking chances with it? 
and then two <laughs> exactly like where do you where are you going with it and uh, just be you know someone could do a completely safe reading and it doesn't mean they're off the table my what i look at next is how well do you take direction if i give you something to change it up are you going to do the same exact reading a second time? Are you going to run with it? How malleable are you? That's, to me, what's most important. I could have someone who could read the lines perfectly, but if they're going to give me the same performance every single take, you know, I didn't want yeah. it. <laughs> totally understand. So, um, uh, next, uh, I'm going to ask you about uh, the directionals, uh, right. which you did uh, from 2014, correct? Yeah, it was the summer... No, it was the October after Love, uh, Love You Still... Yeah, so... 2015. Uh, so, how did you get involved with that project? Um, I... I knew the directionals. I, um... Well, I knew the drummer Bob first, because I was friends with him and his girlfriend, Christina. And they actually were neighbors of mine for a little while. And, uh, he was telling me that, uh, he's a drummer in a band. I'm like, cool, send me some of your stuff. And I was listening to it, and I really liked it. And I was like, you know what? I... I'd love to make a music video for you guys. I don't have any money, but I'd love to make a music video. And he got me in contact with the singer Mark, who wrote all the songs. And we started pitching ideas. And uh, they told me the song. And the, the way they work is insane because they write more music than they have time to perform. Mm -hmm. uh, like by the time that we finished that music video, they had already had another album out. Like it's and it's not that the music video took a super long time. They just record so much so fast. Um, but uh, we are pitched. They let me listen to the song, and it was called "Never What It Seems." And through just goofy ideas, they came up with "Skateboard Detective." <laughs> so it's like a like a old school noir esque detective on a skateboard. And the music video that was the base idea of it, and it's it's changed a lot because we ran into some obstacles still at the making of it, but we just kind of said fuck it and made something fun and crazy with practically no money <laughs> all right and uh was that sh uh, shot in wisconsin or uh yeah it was all shot in bayview and a little bit at uwm okay cool um uh, did you uh, have to uh, go and uh go fish for an actor to uh do the skateboard uh, actually, I just told the band to find something, find me someone. I didn't want to go through the whole thing of trying to find an actor who could skateboard because realistically, there's no line readings or anything. So I said, I'm sure you guys know a skateboarder. Find me someone who could skateboard. And th the guy they found is a really nice guy. He didn't have, he could skateboard. He wasn't as confident on the board as I was hoping, but we made it work. <laughs> cool. Um, and uh, uh, let's see. Um, I'm going to touch on uh, one of your editor. Uh, uh, editor um credits here um okay uh, called mart okay you, how did you get involved with that uh well at the time i was doing editing for higher work uh and i was working with a local shooter and a photographer by the name of mike krakowski and we just had to create a, a, a friendship at that point and um he said that him and his business partner helen needed someone they were working on a film and without going into the politics of it they needed a new editor on the film um <laughs> and uh they asked if i'd be interested in doing it and they uh you know and i told them sure i took some time off of work and they told me they wanted me to do a 
a completely from the ground up re-edit of the film, cut some time out, help the pacing, and um, you know, because they had they had funded the film and it just wasn't turning out the way they were hoping for, so they had okay. to come in and re-edit it. Cool. Uh, and has that film ever seen the light uh, in any way, shape, or form? I don't know what happened to that film. I know it played at a couple festivals. Okay. Um, but I I don't know if it's available online. I haven't heard. Um, gotcha. I know. It, like honestly, like once I finished my edit, I it was kind of out of my hands. Cool. Um, I'm gonna touch on another film called Don't Fall in Love. How did you get involved with that film? <laughs> that was a uh, that was a project I was involved in in college. I had I was looking for ways to get some experience on set, and I met a filmmaker, um, Josh Kellerman, who was setting out to make his first feature film. And it was a hobbled together group of people. Um, and I started off as just kind of a production assistant. I was on set all the time, just doing whatever I could. And then I started filming in a cinematographer and shooter days where the uh, the cinematographer couldn't be there because we had to keep shooting. And it was just a very weird collaborative effort, but it got made. And it's it was so long ago. I'm, I don't I don't know what all to talk about because I did so much on that film and it spanned over a year. But um, to my knowledge, I don't think the film is widely available. I've got a copy of it. Uh, I know it was playing a couple festivals. I don't know. I haven't talked to Josh enough to see if it's gotten a DVD or anything. Yeah, that was a fun little film. It's r- it's rough around the edges, and I've told Josh that, so it's not it's no secret. <laughs> the direction of, the direction of it, all things considered, is really well. He, he found some good actors, and I feel like that's what really saves it. Mm-hmm. Um, why it's rough around the edges is because we had an inconsistent crew. You know, whoever was available recorded sound instead of having a sound recordist, and you know, I not I'll, I've told everyone this. I'm not much of a shooter. I'm not much of a DP, but I shot. A small chunk of that film, like okay. so. Visually, it was you know. So you worked extensively on the film. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Um, I, I think like I, I um I think I've actually got points on the back end of that film, which is weird because I don't have points on anything. But uh, <laughs> like he, uh, but I don't think it's made any money, so it doesn't really matter to me. <laughs> it was a fun, it was a fun project to do. Cool. I'm uh, gonna touch on a small. Uh, uh, the other small projects, The Surface from 2014. Yeah, I don't have much to say about that film, just mainly because I uh, I started off as a production assistant. I need I had nothing to do going on that summer. My friend Veronica said, "Hey, I'm doing um, I think she was doing costuming or was it make? I don't remember. She was doing something on the film and said, "Hey, we need uh, they need some extra people. Uh, if you're willing to come down and work for free." I'm sure they can bring you on. I just came down and I struck up a conversation with the line direct, with the line producer, and he's like, "Well, I can't let you work for free, but you know, I can give you something. You come on to set and just do some work." I started as a production assistant, became the assistant to the production designer, and uh, was working hands on with all the props and making sure everything was um, screen ready and accurate and. My handwriting appears in the film. It's kind of amusing. Um, <laughs> I was working with the, I was working with the props. Cool. Awesome. And they had to work um, with Sean Astin, so that was kind of cool. <laughs> uh, so, um, how uh, uh, was your experience with Dysphoria? Um, 
mess. I don't really okay. want to talk about it. Totally understand. Um, and um, actually, well, one thing I will say is I um, I met Zach McClain, an actor on that set, and. I wouldn't say we're really close, but we've worked together a couple of times, and, and he's an actor. I've done a little bit of acting on commercials. We've run into each other. Me and him are really friendly towards each other, and I've liked working with him. And he actually does the uh, voiceover at the beginning of my podcast, The Shameless Picture Show. So the best thing to come out of this for you is I got to meet Zach McClain. Awesome. Other than that, I don't want to talk about it. Alrighty, and I see you played uh, in the uh, the new uh, new uh, Batman and Jesus documentary. I haven't seen that yet, but yeah, I, I came out to do some acting for it, and I <laughs> I I unfortunately couldn't be in much of it because I had to go to work, and we got started so late on past what we were supposed to. I had to leave at one point during the documentary, but I'm told I'm still in it, and I pop up in it, which is kind of cool. I just I haven't seen it yet. Okay, cool. Um, uh, it says on IMDb that uh, you uh, um, uh, you uh, play Council of the Bats. So I, I, I don't uh, know if that'll mean anything to you down the road. <laughs> um, I know what they're talking about. It's um, They had a bunch of uh, self-proclaimed Batman nerds sit in a room, and we had to debate on what's canon and what's not. <laughs> and so I'm on the Council of the Bat. Gotcha. I'm putting that on my resume now. <laughs> uh, so um, um, I'm going to talk about uh, one of your newest short films that uh, uh, that we are still uh, circulating some festivals, correct? Uh, yeah, I've, love- I've kind of put a I've kind of put a kibosh on it a little bit. It's not getting the traction I was hoping, but okay. you know, it's still playing a little bit. Okay. Uh, how did you get involved? With Do you love me? Um, I was looking for a new project. And I had met a young filmmaker, I think she was still in high school at the time, uh, named Valerie Lightheart, and she had a script that she was really excited about. And she asked if I'd read it, and I did, and I said, hey, there's things I like, I really like about this. Have you thought about getting it made? And we talked back and forth a little bit, and came to that I uh, would help her, I would direct it and help her produce and get it off the ground, and I kind of just... At first, it started off as a project to fund it on my own pocket, and then I, I had a couple people step in along the way to help out a little bit, but I just really wanted to direct something, and it became a way bigger project than I was expecting, but it was there's some things I'm really proud about in that film, and I think uh, all the actors are great. I think... Uh, I, I wish it was getting a little more love, uh, but I'm not going to blame anyone for that. It's just, you know, what gravitates to someone is always a mystery but uh well and uh, films are always uh, kind of a kaleidoscope uh, to some people some uh, some are ju- just pure art uh, art forms as they are and wh- uh, whatnot so y- you can't always blame ev- everyone for you know what uh, what they feel about you know <laughs> films <laughs> Oh no! It's like one one film that someone absolutely loves uh, could be, you know, just um, a boring piece of trash to someone else. You know, I put everything I had into that film, and we I think we made something really cool, and it was really audacious too. Like doing Steadicam work in negative degree weather is impressive. Uh, so I see, I see you uh, were uh, working on part of a. a TV series or one episode? Mediocrity? Oh, yeah! Uh, Nico Aldrich, who I mentioned earlier, he was doing a short 
um, web series at one point, and I just did a, little, I did a couple hours of PA work. It's nothing big. Okay. Cool. I think it's awesome. on my resume, so I can hope, so I can hopefully get more PA work in the future, which never <laughs> panned out. <laughs> totally understand. Well, I appreciate your time and uh, uh, in uh, coming and sit, uh, sitting with me, talking about your uh, uh, your uh, film um, uh, history, um, or uh, so to speak. I uh, I hope you didn't mind at all. No, man, I don't. Pre- I don't mind at all. I appreciate you having me on. Awesome. Uh, so uh, I think that's all the time that we have for today, folks. Unless you have anything else that you'd like to um, uh, uh, say to the audience or uh, uh, anything, or, uh, what would you say to a filmmaker that is just starting out? Uh, it's such a cheesy answer, but it's honestly just keep trying. Because it's such a weird fucking business, man, where you could be doing the same, everything right, doing the same thing as everyone else, and, you know, the person next to you could get noticed for some completely arbitrary reason. Doesn't mean you're not good, doesn't mean they're better than you or what have you, it's just, you never know what's going to click with someone. And it, it's it, at times it can suck. I'll be the first to admit, you know, I don't make much money at doing film, but that's not why I do it. Um... You just got to keep believing in yourself. You're going to have those existential moments of like, why am I doing this? But use that to write, to make something cool. Awesome. Uh, and uh, do you have any uh, web, uh, websites or, or, uh, or anything that you'd like to plug? Website's currently down. So uh, not at the moment for that. Uh, what I will say is um, um, Check out my podcast, The Shameless Picture Show. It's a, a podcast that I do with my filmmaking and podcasting brother, Nick uh, uh, Nicholas Richards. Um, it's a podcast dedicated to things that you should have seen that you haven't. Everyone's got their own personal shame list of films they feel they should have seen. And, you know, like, someone asks you, oh, have you seen The Godfather? And you just nod and agree. I'm like, yeah, of course I've seen it. It's great. And, you know, hope that they don't ask you any questions. And our whole thing is, like, you know what, don't, tell, be proud of what you haven't seen, and, you know, you don't have to pretend, and, <laughs> you know, open up that dialogue of not be, of not having seen things, so we use this excuse to knock stuff off, and, you know, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, I believe we're on Google Play, but I don't have an Android phone to check, and we're also on Stitcher Radio. Awesome. And uh, my name is David Stregi. I've been your host on Inside Movies Floor. Hopefully, uh, Mike, uh, Michael here has uh, had some uh, fun here. And uh, hopefully, those who are listening, uh, definitely like and subscribe. Uh, so, um, uh, also, I am a small-time producer, so uh, definitely check out uh, Wrestle Masker, which is coming out uh, this year sometime. So, uh, um, definitely have some th- uh, things in st- uh, store. Um, thank you. Once again, um, we have had an interview with Michael Vyers. Thank you. You better, send, you better send me a copy of Russell Massacre when it's done. <laughs> I will. In fact, uh, I actually have so- uh, something that I could probably share with you that I am a producer of um, called um, Witchtown, which was actually kind of fun. All right, so, uh, send it my way, man. <laughs> will do. Awesome. Uh, well, in any case, uh, we are going to say good afternoon, folks. Okay.
don't know how much value I have in this universe, but I do know that I made a few people happier than they would have been without me. And as long as I know that, I'm as rich as I ever need to be. Nice job, Kermit. Thank you. Nice job, Kermit. Thank you. Nice job, Kermit. Thank you.